Emotions boiling over here at Target Center. A very important game, regular season finale. And we had a scuffle on the Timberwolves bench. Anderson and Rudy Gobert. That's just something you don't see every day. I know the tensions you played in this game. That was Rudy Gobert of the Minnesota Timberwolves fighting Kyle Anderson, also of the Minnesota Timberwolves, during a game last week. And they're not the only NBA play-in tournament team making headlines for awkward reasons. It's Wednesday, April 12th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The NBA play-in tournament began in the 2019-2020 season, and it works like this. Instead of having the top eight teams in each conference make the playoffs, the top six make it in, and seven through ten have to duke it out for the final two spots. First, the seventh and eighth teams play a single game. Winner gets the seventh seed, and the loser gets one more shot of the eighth seed against the winner of a single game between the ninth and tenth seeds. They did this for a few reasons. One, single elimination games are fun. They're not always a good barometer of which team is actually better, but they are inherently high stakes, and teams 7 through 10 weren't playing too many high stakes games at the end of the season before this. Last year, the six planned games averaged 2.5 million viewers, pretty good, but down actually from the year before, which averaged 3 million, but 2021 featured a game between the Lakers and Warriors, which drew 6 million viewers. For comparison, round one games averaged 3.5 million last year, 3.1 million the year before, so the play-in game gives you just under the viewership of the rest of the playoffs, but a huge matchup can produce huge results. The play-in also introduces a new dividing line in the regular season standings that matter. In addition to the line between the 10th and 11th teams, which is the you're in or you're out line, there's a line between the 6th and 7th teams. 6 gets to skip the tournament and go straight to the first round, 7 and 8 don't get a free pass anymore. The last reason the NBA introduced the play-in tournament is tanking. Probably more than any other league, NBA teams are incentivized to lose once they know they are not going to make the playoffs. With the play-in, four more teams don't have that incentive, and maybe another couple of teams are trying until the end because they have a shot at 10th in their conference. At least that was the theory. A high draft pick can turn around a losing franchise, and this year, everyone knows who the top overall pick is going to be. He has a combination of things that we have never seen. 7-5, high release point, elevation on his jump shot, quickness, footwork. That's the scariest thing that we've ever seen. Wait, back up. His name is Victor Wembanyama. He's French, he's 19, and people are calling him the best prospect since LeBron James. And only teams who are not in the playoffs have a shot at him. Which is one reason that the Dallas Mavericks are not in the playoffs. In their second-to-last game of the season, the Mavs rested Kyrie Irving, Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleber, Christian Wood, and superstar Luka Doncic played only the first quarter. Surprise, surprise, the Mavs lost by only three points to the Chicago Bulls and were eliminated from the playoffs. Mavs coach Jason Kidd said that sitting these players was a, quote, organizational decision, which is about as close as you can get to saying that the front office decided to lose a game on purpose to intentionally miss the playoffs. The NBA is investigating the Mavericks for doing this, and it wouldn't be their first time. Mavs owner Mark Cuban said on a podcast in 2018 that the team tanked for a draft pick. The NBA fined him $600,000 for saying that, but if you're a Mavs fan, it sucks at the time, but in the 2018 draft, they had the fifth pick, which they flipped to the Atlanta Hawks for the third pick, and with that pick, drafted Luka Doncic. And of course, it's not just the Mavs. The Portland Trailblazers drew some attention by resting Damian Lillard and Jermani Grant in games late in the season. 
maybe they needed the rest. And also maybe the Trailblazers are happy to have the fifth best chance at the top pick at 10.5%. The NBA flattened out the draft lottery so that the top three teams, by which I mean the bottom three teams, all have a 14% chance of scoring the top pick. Those are the Pistons, Spurs, and Rockets, followed by the Hornets at 12.5%. The Mavs have only a 3% chance, but hey, that's better than nothing. And apparently for them, it's better than having to win two games in a row for the opportunity to probably get steamrolled by the Denver Nuggets in the first round. Up next, front office sports editor-in-chief Ernest Baker spoke with Gene Cook, vice president of global collectibles at eBay, about the growth of one of the largest spaces to buy collectibles in the world. They talked about how the online marketplace built the collectibles industry by connecting fans with items that can impact them on a personal level and the competition they're facing in the space today. We'll have that conversation right after this. Here's what's trending now. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Everything they need to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity. Whether your business generates millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, take advantage of this special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months at netsuite.com slash frontoffice. That's netsuite.com slash frontoffice. All right, Gene, thank you for jumping on with us today. How's everything on? Uh, Things are good. So the first thing that comes to mind for me, you have come back to eBay. You were there decades ago, I think 2003, right? So exactly (laughs) 20 years. Yes, I'm old. That's right. Well, I think I would prefer to say that you're experienced. I am experienced. I'm I'm seasoned. So that's what I want to ask you. How has the business evolved in these 20 years? You know, you've seen it all and tell us how it's different now. I think what you're going to get from me is uh, enthusiasm, like based on sincerity, like this is my dream job and I am fired up. I have always been passionate about the collectibles business uh, first um, because I'm one of them, like the the customers are kind of eccentric and I like hanging out with those people. Um, uh, Second, you know, just from a pure business standpoint, uh, you know, we're going to get up and and work really hard uh, every day. Uh, it's a bonus to be able to do that with people who are passionate about the, the space that they're in. eBay has changed and grown over this time, uh, but what about the culture at large when you just like hone in on the products? You know, you're a huge fan of this. We keep seeing these record-breaking sales for trading cards, for jerseys, for just memorabilia in general. Why do you think we have reached this inflection point where now it is entering the mainstream and you're just seeing more money exchanging hands than ever before. I think it's a combination of a few things. Like I said, this is my dream job and part of the reason that's the case uh, is that I get to sit in a very uh, fortunate position. So uh, eBay, uh, world's top destination uh, for uh, people who are passionate about collector uh, collectibles, uh, 134 million customers. And so I'm able to see sort of uh, writ large uh, very quickly uh, things as they are changing. So I think it's a combination of that global audience. So this is a global community of, connector, uh, of collectors who are able to connect. That's powered and I think accelerated via technology. Um, we're seeing uh, demographic uh, growth. Uh, there's a new initiative or a, a newish initiative that I'm uh, 
getting to engage in pretty deeply, uh, that is live commerce, or uh, we call it eBay Live. Um, uh, we're, that's very true to our DNA in terms of uh, community values and the type of engagement, but that is bringing, uh, uh, you know, we've seen in the broader market that that's bringing in uh, a different demographic that's broadening out. Um, so I think there's a global interest, uh, there's a broadening uh, demographic, um, so the, the technology kind of bringing uh, all of that together uh, and accelerating that. Um, we're also seeing uh, people come into the hobby who are thinking of this uh, as an alternative asset. So they may be passionate about what it is that they're collecting. Right, it's an but investment. They, yeah, but they also care maybe more than back in the day on uh, what its value is um, in thinking of themselves as both buyers and sellers. So those are things that we're working to support, working to lean into. Uh, with Vault and Price Guide and Collection Management and things like that. So when you think about all these things that have happened, the record-breaking sales, how eBay has evolved, and just the fact that this is a dream job for you, you love this space, you love collectibles, what are some of the most memorable, remarkable things that you've seen when you think about your love for this space? And, you know, say we're sitting around having dinner or you're trying to explain to someone the power of this space and you've seen it all. So what are the things that stand out where you're just like, yeah, I've seen it all, but this kind of blows my mind that this that collectibles can be taken to this level, whether it was a sale or a conversation or just, you know, anything that really sticks with you through all your experience. You know, I was just learning just the other day, uh, there's a gentleman uh, in Canada uh, who is particularly passionate about uh, uh, black and biracial uh, athletes that have been, uh, that have played in the NHL historically. And he pulled together what, to my knowledge, was the first of its kind, more than a, a hundred card set, like I said, of black and biracial athletes have been playing uh, uh, in the NHL, um, and pulled that together. Um, and uh, that's an incredibly sort of compelling uh, story that's a, to sort of raise visibility uh, that's very much aligned with uh, our values as a company. And he did that, if not exclusively, but almost exclusively through eBay. And so, um, for me, uh, as a fan, a lot of what eBay is about is, you know, uh, is connecting with people, connecting people with things that not only will bring joy, but bring additional meaning uh, to their lives. Element um, of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, you know, eBay is all about connecting people and exactly that, exactly their stories. Um, and uh, that collection right now is, is currently traveling uh, uh, across the NHL. Honestly, uh, there's a very sincere, deep sense of mission at the company, um, uh, and that's very much what we are about in a sports context. Um, sometime I can, t I found, I can tell you a story about uh, I actually found a car that my dad had uh, when we were growing up, uh, which is a collectible car. Yeah. Um, and after years of searching uh, uh, passionately but in unsuccessfully for it, uh, was able to find it on eBay, and uh, we were able to get it back in the family. Uh, wow. That is the type of thing, like when I tell that story. The exact car? The exact, uh, I'm a little bit obsessive, but I wanted it to be that car. <laughs> you can just get the model, like you needed the car. Oh, oh yes. It's, it's, That's incredible. It's, What's it's, the car? It's a, it's, a, it's a silver 1969 Corvette, uh, a red leather interior, chrome side pipes. Uh, for me, it's the only one of one in the world. Right. For other people, it's, it's another pretty That's beautiful. Corvette. It must have been fun riding that back in the day as a kid. You oh, know? yeah. Your dad I, got, I got my license, and uh, 
Uh, you mean to tell me you were 16 getting to drive that? Yeah, let's be very clear. I did not get to have the car, <laughs> but the challenge for me is that he set the bar. Yeah. Uh, and so my son has just gotten his license and, uh, well, he's gotten his permit. When he's got his license, I don't think I have a choice but to, like, hand the keys to my son. I'll That's probably right. offer to go with him if yeah. he'll let me. But, you know, what I said, which feels very unique to me, like, all of the time when I'm talking to enthusiasts in uh, the collectible space, they are talking to me about, you know, if not finding that one thing that they never thought that they would find, but the passion, the enthusiasm for having found something that is personally meaningful to them and often in this space of finding other people who have similar interests uh, that where they're able to connect and, uh, you know, have a real relationship. Yeah, that's crazy. That brings me really organically to the next thing I wanted to say, which is, you know, whether there's cars, comic books, video games, VHSs, we, you know better than me, like how many things have a cult following, you know, are completely essential to the entire like collectibles industry and ecosystem. But what sets sports apart? What's unique about sports? We're here at Mint Collective, yep. you know, talking about primarily sports. There's a few other things going on, but there's a lot of sports. And, you know, what does that mean to you among all the other things that, you know, our hobbyists and our, our people who love to collect are interested in? We talked about community. And so I think uh, like sports and following teams and having a sense of identity with a team, uh, it's often cross-generational uh, uh, family, uh, uh, passionately follow a, a team or a player uh, with your mom or dad. Um, I think that that is a really big part of it. And then um, uh, just sort of the dynamic nature of um, uh, this hobby responding to things that happen in the real world. Uh, uh, we, uh, we saw that when uh, Tom Brady uh, retired again, um, uh, sales spiked uh, 500% uh, for, for Tom Brady oriented uh, merch uh, on the site. Um, so it's, it's uh, the, I think this has only accelerated the extent to which people are reacting to what they are seeing uh, happen in real time. That happens to some extent across all the collectibles. Something will become more relevant because of a movie or something like that. So last thing before we get out of here, we're here in Vegas, we're at the Mint Collective event. What has this been like for you to get at a place where there's this convergence of energy? You know, you got the opportunity to speak earlier. You're seeing the back and forth dialogue. You're really getting into mingle with the people who make this culture lively. Um, I'm certain this isn't your first rodeo, but what has been special about this weekend? Like it's the most recent one for you. So anything that you can speak to in that regard? I get energy off of talking to people uh, who are being creative, uh, who are kind of nerding out or just kind of sharing a passion around something. And so getting in the middle of this community and getting to engage with people who are fired up um, makes me fired up. Best of luck to you in the future. Thank you. And, uh, I uh, hope to see what eBay does next. Thank you. Thanks. That's it for today. Quick correction. I said in our recent episode that the Chicago Cubs will be selling CBD drinks at Wrigley Field. That was based on reporting by other outlets, and it is incorrect. Apologies for the error. If you are in Wrigleyville, you may have to walk two, even three blocks to obtain CBD or other similar products, but you can't get it in stadium. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.